You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Therapy for Your Money. Today, we are talking about marketing a cash pay practice with Whitney Owens. Whitney, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Whitney Owens. I'm located in Savannah, Georgia, which is right on the coast. It is a nice historical city. Great place to visit if you're looking for somewhere to go visit. Um, I have a cash pay practice here in Savannah. I started in 2015, had moved here with my husband, had tried to find connections to current practices, tried to find a job, just nothing was working out. Savannah is one of those small towns. You got to know somebody to get something, you know, and so I didn't really know anyone yet. And fortunately, an uh, old graduate school friend of mine was from Savannah. He saw I had moved here. He reached out and said, you've got to meet my friend Jimbo. Me and Jimbo connected. Yes, his name's Jimbo <laughs> from Georgia. And we connected and we both started solo practices and rented space together and kind of went from there. I started my group practice three years later because I was getting so many clients, you know, had that wait list going and thought I might as well start a group practice. And that has worked out very well. And now there are seven clinicians um, and three admin staff. Awesome. And um, in all, everyone on your team is cash pay. There's no insurance at all, correct? Correct. We do offer out of network benefits. Like if somebody wants to file a super bill on their own, but we do not file insurance for anybody and they have to pay up front for their sessions. Yeah. And I, we, I, we so often get questions on like, you know, how do I transition from one to another? So it's, it's always fun to see like someone who has successfully done it and built it. Um, but so if someone was interested in creating uh, or, or tra- whether it's transitioning or just creating upfront a cash pay practice, like how would you uh, create a website to bring in more cash pay practices, cash pay clients? Definitely, definitely. For your website, what's really important is the way you communicate your practice. So being able to have very good direction in the kind of clients that you work with, being able to speak to that ideal client through your website, speaking to their pain, the transformation, the outcome of therapy is the most important thing. Um, You want a website that draws them in. And if you can get really good SEO on your website, people are going to naturally go to your website. And if your website looks good and you seem trustworthy, they're going to call you. We know that for therapy, there are definitely some people that have to use their insurance, but a lot of times if you find the right fit, you're going to pay whatever you have to pay to get therapy. At least that's what I have seen. Like I think about my children when they've needed treatment and if I can't Mm -hmm. find something in network, oh, you know what? If my child really needs therapy, I'm just going to pay for the therapy because I need them to get treatment. And so that's a big important part of your website is being able to really communicate to that ideal client and have good SEO. I also think it's important for a cash pay practice to explain why they don't take insurance somewhere on their website. Definitely not the homepage or anything like that. But, you know, these are the reasons we don't take insurance. This is how our practice works, because you don't want people calling, being confused or coming for their first session, not knowing what's going on. You want them to have their needs met. And so being able to explain that clearly is really important. Got it. And so does it say on your website then that you do not accept insurance? Okay. So it's clearly laid out there. Yes. And it's not like, it's not on the front page. There's, um, 
there's another page for that. <laughs> I actually can't remember off the top of my head which page <laughs> it's on. Um, I have someone that created my website and does the work on that. So, got it. And so, and and if they hadn't looked at your webpage, is that something that comes up and on that initial uh, call when they call your team? Definitely, definitely. So, depending on what is presented, will be what clinician we assign to them you know, because okay. we want to assign based on specialty. And then we explain to the person calling, this is the rate of that clinician. And at that point, we tell them that we do not accept insurance. Is this rate going to work for you? And they'll say yes or no. And we do offer a sliding scale at times when needed, especially when COVID first happened and people were needing services and everyone was worried about money. You know, we did offer some special deals then, but um, yeah. Okay. So as far as sliding scale, how do you decide when you offer it, how many spots you have? Mm -hmm. You know, Julie, it's a good question. And I have not figured out a perfect formula for that. I, I wish I could tell you, hey, here's this perfect amount, but we usually don't slide more than $20 okay. from whatever the person is offering. And if they have more than around five, I mean, I don't do a perfect science with that, but I just kind of say to them, hey, we don't want to offer more than a few people this special discount. And so once you've got several people that have it, we need to stop offering it because then it's going to be hard for me to pay the clinicians, you know. Got it. So that's per clinician. So if you have, so, so one clinician can only have a certain number of sliding scale at one time. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's okay. right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as the rates itself, how do you set that? And is it different for each clinician in the practice? Yes. So what's really important for group practice owners, especially when you move from that slow to group practice phase, you want to raise your own rate because as the owner, you don't want to be seeing a lot of clients. You have so many other things to take care of. So as my practice has grown, me personally, my rate has gone up, up, and up. So I, when I first started my group practice, my cash pay rate was 130, I believe. And my first clinician was 120. She was licensed and that's 125. So pretty average rate for cash pay in my area. Got it. And then as I hired more clinicians, as I got more experienced, I moved my rate up to 150. And then I kept getting calls still, people wanting to work with me. And so I moved it up to 200, which in my area, that's uh, really high. I know in like New York, California, sure. that would still be low, but boy, 200 in my area. I don't know anyone that has that rate other than me, Okay. but it has allowed me to fill up my clinicians, you know, cause when someone wants to work with me and they hear that rate, they're like, Oh no, no, I can't pay that. And then we're like, Oh, we have these other people that are great that Whitney handpicked and you can work with them. So as far as the rate for the other clinicians, it really has to do with years of experience at the practice and what their level of licensure is. So everyone starts at 100 when they're an associate level person. And I love hiring an associate level people. When I ran numbers with my accountant, my associates bring more profit to the practice than my licensed clinicians. Oh, so interesting. Okay. Is that to, because the of how they're paid? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So for my clinicians that um, bring in 100, they I have like a formula for how I pay everyone. So they all start at the same thing. They have a tiered scale. So the first um, zero to 14 clients, they're tier one, 15 to 27, tier two, 28 and up tier three. And that's in a two week period. So that's about, the tier three is about 14 clients a week and yeah. they make more money. So the, the first tier is $25, then 30 and then 35, if that makes sense. So they're yeah. making something between 25 and 35% 
Now, I don't change that if we give a sliding scale, I let the clinician still make the same because I know at least when I was a private practice by myself, there was something about knowing I was making less money, you know, when I was seeing somebody. And so I want them to feel like they're making the same amount regardless. And so that's kind of how I set up, set up that part. Um, and that also includes all their supervision at the practice like the clinical supervision that they would be paying several hundred dollars for. And so I, I do calculate that into that cost because I have a supervisor at the practice that I pay to offer the supervision. To offer that. Okay. And so whether, so whether they're seeing a full rate client or a sliding scale, the clinician is making the same amount of money based on their, their hourly rate. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so um, I've heard a, a few times just around uh, almost anecdotal, you know, the owner should always be making, um, making more, but that for you was really twofold, two or sorry, the owner should always have the highest rate, um, higher than any associate. So I've, I, um, I'm not, not sure if that's the best practice, but I've heard that a few times, it feels like. Uh, but that, it's, it sounds like had two uh, effects in that you, you were making basically the, bringing in the same amount of money essentially to the practice and, and while seeing less clients, is that correct? Yes, I'm able to Yes, see less clients, bring in the same amount. But the main reason I do it is to fill up everyone else because I don't want to be seeing 20 clients. I want to see six to eight. Okay, so really focusing on filling filling everyone else up. Got it. So what are some of the main differences in marketing a cash-only practice as opposed to an insurance practice? Yes, so an insurance practice is going to get so many more clients just by being on panels. Right. And so someone calls, you know, Blue Cross, they get a list of providers. Uh, there's your practice, especially if you have multiple people, then you've got multiple people on the sheet. And so that makes it so much easier to get clients or going on psychology today and they click, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you've come up a lot faster for that. So you do have to do a lot more on the marketing side as a cash pay practice. I have found that my referral relationships have been super important. And I feel like a lot of people miss out on the relational part in their practice. And as a cash pay practice, you have to like hit that really hard. And so when I was a solo practice owner, my goal was to do one encounter a week. So an encounter could be going out to coffee, attending some kind of function to meet people, whatever it was, a phone call with someone, just making sure I'm meeting someone new or that I'm keeping up with the relationship. Maybe I'm taking a pastor out to lunch to tell them about my practice. And at first it feels kind of daunting and it's exhausting. And a lot of us practice owners will be like, oh, they haven't referred to me. Maybe they didn't like me when that's not the case. It's just, they didn't have anyone to refer. And so you have to work over and over to be front of mind. And then when you actually get a client, I kind of teach this with my consulting, like how do you keep that referral relationship going, getting the ROIs, following up with the people that refer and having genuine phone conversations, sending gifts, sending cards. So they're always noticing you and thinking about you. Got it. So other than um, your referrals, what is another way that a lot of clients come into your practice? Mm -hmm. The website hands down. And when I hired someone to do SEO on my website, I was getting three times the amount of calls within a few months. Oh, really? So it changed that, that much that quickly. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. And, um, I also think the Google, my business and getting those reviews is huge too, that we definitely have people call and say, I called you simply because I saw you had five stars on your reviews. Okay. And how difficult is it to get reviews on the website or on Google? My 
Oh, I think it's so easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what I did when I was solo is when I really worked on this, I just sent an email out to my family and friends, church members that I knew. And I said, Hey, you all know me. Don't say anything that's not real, but I just, if you think that I'm a great counselor, or maybe you feel like I'm a good friend and you can listen to me or I can listen to you, (laughs) maybe they listen to me too. Um, I, (laughs) so then I said, just write me a review and let me know. And so I sent them the link. It's so important that you send the link to people because you want to make everything as easy as possible. And I would say when I did that, even though I sent it to probably 50 people, I had maybe eight reviews Okay. immediately. And to have eight reviews for a practice in my town is pretty good. So that, that already started happening. Now I have, um, I think 18, 17, 18. I actually just got my first negative review last week. Oh, and it just oh, that's up on hard. The I know. And it was someone we were doing a lot of special work for to like help. So it was unfortunate, but I was really glad I had those reviews because now I'm at 4.8 stars. And if I'd only had, yeah, well, if I'd only had eight, it would have really tanked me. That's true. Okay. So that's something that you nurture consistently because does that help you um, get higher on the the Google list when someone Googles uh, your practice or? Yes, it does. Got it. So just mm-hmm. the, just having reviews helps in that sense. Yes. Um, Google wants to know that you are a good business and that you take care of the clients that come to you. So if I am consistently updating my Google My Business, if you respond to a review within 24 hours, Google hears, oh, Water's Edge Counseling is the type of practice that responds to phone calls, that responds to inquiries. So that, that has really helped. Oh, another thing that just came to me when you're talking about things you have to do as a cash pay practice is answer the phone. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it, but like you have got to answer the phone and convert that client and you can't just, you know, call them back later. I mean, people that need to use their insurance, it's a little easier for them to wait on the callback, but other people who have so many options, if they're going to pay cash anyway, you need to answer the phone. And if you don't, you need to call them back within 24 hours. And I, I just think that's vital. Got it. And I, I laugh because like I've actually experienced that myself where you call, um, you, uh, I think I had called like three different practices and no one called me back. I thought that was really surprising. Um, not like, not even within 24 hours, just not, not at all. So, and it's mental health. Like people are struggling. It was so hard to pick up the phone and call, you know, people are scared to make a therapy appointment. And so when they can get a friendly voice on the other end, they're a lot more likely to schedule when they've called these other practices and no one's calling them back. So I think that person that answers the phone and that they respond quickly and that they're friendly and they really take time with people on the phone will help convert clients. Like it's really sad when you call an agency and the first thing they say is what is your insurance? Right? Mm. Like I hate that feeling. Like it's not just about my insurance. It's about the treatment that I need. And so when we answer the phone, it's tell me your name, your number, and how did you hear about us? And then what is it that we can help you with? Ooh, I like that. So at what point did you add someone to your practice to answer the phone? Too late, right? (laughs) Okay. Um, I had already hired two clinicians. It was about six months into my group practice. So so were you answering up until that point? Like just with your phone on you all the time? Yes. Or, you know, really it was the scramble between clients. Like I'm seeing clients and then I see that I got a call, but I really want to fill my clinician. So I'm trying to hurry and call them back because especially these psychology today calls, they're going through a list for sure. And whoever answers, they're probably going to schedule with. 
Got it. And so what does that training look like then for your admin? Is that different than maybe an insurance practice uh, would train the you know, someone who's answering the phone? Yes, I do think so. A lot of it is the ability to talk about why we don't take insurance. And so you have to do a lot of training surrounding that aspect of it. Um, and then talking to them about super bills and how that works, because people get really confused about what's in network, what's out of network, what's a super bill. And so you have to give them the language for that and really convincing them of the importance of therapy. I guess we have to do that with every practice, but the importance of like, hey, it's worth paying cash for this. One of my assistants, she would say to people, okay, well, do you, if you went to Starbucks every day and got a $5 drink, you know, that is you know, seven, that's $35, you know, and so you're halfway there to paying for this or something like that. I mean, I'm not saying that exactly right, but just the idea of the way we think about money. And so she would try to help people like, isn't it worth getting the help and giving up a few other things in your life right now? Yeah. Well, uh, so speaking of money, uh, you do a lot of coaching around, uh, around marketing specifically, but do you ever have a recommendation on, how much someone should spend to market their practice, like on Google ads or various uh, marketing related activities? Yeah, I don't have a formula for that. I do think some of it just depends on the specific situation and where someone is at. As far as Google ads, it's not my favorite um, okay. because once you use your money, it's gone. And it's good if you have something very clear that you want to market. And I highly suggest that you don't just do Google ads on your own. You hire someone who knows how to do it because you're going to waste money putting it in there if you're not putting in the words correctly. Um, or take the tutorial. I think there might be a YouTube one training on it from what I've heard. So, but SEO is where I tell people to put their money because I think of SEO as the gift that keeps on giving. Like once you've <laughs> made that transition on your website, it's there and it's only going to continue to make your website better. So I do think people overvalue the Google ads over SEO. And I would say it's the other way around. I see what you mean. So when, when you spend that Google ads budget, then you're not at the top of the list anymore versus SEO, you'll still always be found when you've spent and you you might not be spending money anymore. That's right. And okay. honestly, you know it when you Google something and you see Google ad beside it, honestly, for me, I'm less likely to want to use that product because they had to pay a lot of money to get up at the top. Okay. That's fair. That's so, fair. But so when you're, um, when you're spending money on ads or ads, SEO, uh, any marketing at all, how do you measure if it's working or not? Good question. And this is a big problem for practice owners. You've got to track all the stuff. So first of all, track your intake calls. I will say to somebody, how are people hearing about your practice? And they can't answer that question. I want to know, what percentage of people are coming through Google? What percentage of people are coming from that doctor's office you took a package to? What percentages of people are coming from schools? Because you don't want to just do a bunch of stuff that everyone tells you to do in your marketing. You want to do the things that are actually working for your practice. So if people are using your website, keep putting money into your website because it's working, you know, yeah. right? Now, there are obviously KPIs that we can watch for all of those things. So with my website, I look at Google Analytics, like which pages are popping up the best or like social media. People talk a lot about spending money and time on social media. Yeah, you might get some clients through social media. Most of them are on Google. That's when their pocketbooks are open. They're ready to pay for therapy. People are on social media, just scrolling and interested in things. But I can look at my analytics to tell how many people went to my website because they saw me on Facebook or they saw me on Instagram. 
And so we can watch all that, all those numbers. So I look at those every single week in my practice to see what's working, or we have an email list. So how many people are opening those emails? How many people are clicking from those emails to the website? You know, okay. how many people are calling the practice because they found us on psychology today? And so is the money that I'm spending on that worth it? If I can, how many clients did I actually convert? So you've got to be able to watch all that to know if what you're doing is working. So is there a specific ratio that you're looking for? Um, for example, with psychology today, are you looking to get at least uh, you know, one client to, to pay for that profile or you know, is, it, is it a little more subjective than that? Uh, probably more subjective than that. I just watch to make sure that some people are coming through psychology today. The thing that I actually watch the closest as far as a formula with numbers is conversions on calls. So how many calls actually became clients? And if they didn't, why did they not? So people are always amazed by this one too. It's really between 20 and 25% of clients that we lose because of not taking insurance. Only 20 to 25%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we convert 50% of our calls, which is actually really high for a cash pay practice. Insurance-based practices convert somewhere between like 50 to 70%. And then uh, cash pay practices are usually more between 30 and 50%. Okay. So you're really on the high end of that. So when you're um, evaluating the business, are you looking at the other, the non-financial reasons and trying to figure out like, is there a specialty that we're missing? Like how else do you use that information? Yes, I do look at that. Um, because the practice has grown, we tend to have all the needs met for clients. Like there okay. was definitely a time where we couldn't see children. So I saw we were losing for that, or we didn't do couples. So we were losing for that. So now with uh, a team of seven, we can almost hit everything. We don't do geriatric treatment, but other than that, I'm pretty sure we, we hit everything. Okay. Um, so, so how is that, how is that information useful to you now then? Well, it had definitely helped me in building a, building a group. And then I just watch for how many clients are going to which therapist? That's another number I watch when those when I'm looking at those calls and those conversions is who did we lose? Why did we lose them? So usually it's insurance or um, sometimes they're just calling to get information and they just end up going somewhere else. So, so there's a lot of times the client never actually tells us why they didn't schedule or they never call us back when we follow up or like they send an email, we try to email back and then we never hear anything. So those are a lot harder to know why. And I've definitely found clients that we get on the phone convert better than scheduling through email. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So them sending an email to you that is less successful than just someone picking up the phone when they call. Most definitely. Same with psychology today. Someone who emails through psychology today, a lot less likely to schedule than someone who calls through psychology today. Got it. So, Possibly because they're going down the list. That's right. So we, I train my assistant on getting them on the phone. Like the most important thing is you get somebody on the phone and you start building a relationship with them because it's harder to build a relationship through email. I see. Okay. And so do you have a, um, a special like training, training plan for adding an admin? You mean, how do I train them on the phone calls? Sorry. Yeah, I so like, what, sorry. When, uh, when you are hiring a new admin, what kind of training do you put them through? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we have a whole manual just for the admin, like okay. admin is in the person that's answering calls. I actually have a separate admin for marketing. Um, and so anyway, so we walk through the process of here's what you say, like there's a whole script 
And, oh, okay. you know, you introduce yourself, you tell them the practice, you get their name and number because so often you get disconnected. Find out how they heard about us. Like that is my other most important question. Okay. If that person hangs up on you, at least we know how they heard about us because I really want to track that. So you can keep tracking the, where the referrals are coming from. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And then building that relationship. And like, we talk a lot about how do you talk to the person about what's going on? How do you sell the clinician? Like, Hey, based on what you just shared with me, cognitive behavior therapy, is super effective for anxiety and panic attacks. You know, it's one of the number one ways that people get better and they can get better within just six to eight sessions on this type of treatment. You know, being able to really, it sounds bad to say you're a salesman, but honestly, you're getting people treatment. You're explaining that to them. And people have a lot of questions. They don't understand how counseling works. So yes, we do kind of train them and all that and then training them about the insurance piece and why we don't take it. How do you talk to them about that? And then encouraging them to schedule and following up with them. Like, I think a lot of practices don't do follow up when they do get a call. And so we actually track um, if someone calls and they're, they say, I want to think about it or I'll get back to you. We say, can I follow up with you in a week if I don't hear anything? And typically they'll say yes. And when a practice actually follows up with you, wow. Like, hey, if the admin can treat me like that, how's the therapist going to treat me? Got it. Okay. So that's just another, um, another way you help convert then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whitney, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction and put you on the spot. What is your favorite uh, business book and why? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I really like Clockwork. Okay. Mike McCallowitz. Yeah. And maybe that's because I'm a workhorse sometimes. And so I need to take a step back, but really being able to get your systems in place in such a way that you can take a step back from your practice. And that is what I really teach with group practice owners as well. Got it. Very cool. That's a part. I, I love that book as well. I think I have it behind me on my bookshelf. <laughs> Great. Well, so tell our listeners where, um, where they can find you. Yes. So I am a consultant with Practice the Practice. And so you can email me, Whitney at practicethepractice.com or go to the Practice the Practice website um, to learn more. Allison Pigeon and I also run a group called Group Practice Boss. And that's for group practice owners with at least two clinicians other than yourself. And it's a Facebook membership community. And it's also got a teachable platform with tons of courses. We do weekly live events just to help group practice owners. We have had great success so far, great group that we're working with. So you can find that at practicepractice.com backslash group practice boss. I've heard great things about group practice boss myself. So I'm very excited that you guys are doing that. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on Whitney. I love having you today. Thank you. Thank you. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.